Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Have you ever looked at someone when they're doing something and gone, what are you doing? Like regularly? Like loads of times, isn't there? <laughs> Penny's look of dread on her face here, because she knows I'm winding up to something. Um, but it, it, stru- it struck me, today's Baptism Sunday, so I'm going to teach you a little bit on baptism. But, but there, there is like, you know, you look at people sometimes, you go, like, what are you doing? Like, my brother's here this morning. Peter, put your hand up. If you've never met him, he's the good-looking one there. All right. <laughs> With his lovely wife and my beautiful niece, uh, Beatrice. Okay. But see, Peter and I were raised in a home where you had such a thing as what was called a Friday night tea. Does anyone know what I mean? Men, you get the end of a week's work, there's a certain expectation around what you get at the weekend for your dinner. And you don't get a Monday night tea on a Friday night. Do you know what I mean? For those of you who don't understand, Friday nights, whatever it is, it needs to involve chips, right? Generally. Or something where you go, my dad used to go, I just fancy something tasty. You know, what is it? Do you know what I mean? And so, <laughs> I remember, I'm going to tell this story, Auntie Alice, here, and I, I, our, my poor brother was served up one night, like, boiled potatoes, cabbage, and bacon, on a Friday. And Peter was like, what are you thinking? Like, seriously, what, what are you doing up? Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's not, that's not a Friday night tea. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I instilled that into Penny early in our marriage, okay? <laughs> Same what had gone before to go, this could go wrong entirely, so we, we need to have an agreement on Friday night teas. Or other things like, I'd be sitting of an evening, and then, you know, like, well, we sit down, get a cup of tea, love, and relax. Oh, let's do that. What's the best way? Then Penny disappears, right? And then you kind of go, where is she? And you can hear, right? And then you go in there, and, and there's a room completely turned upside down. You're going, what are you doing? I'm sorting the drawers out. Why are you doing that? Well, we're going on holiday. When? September. I know that, well, that's like six months away, love. So what are you doing it now for? Because it's quarter to 10 on a Thursday night and I thought we were going to get a cup of tea. Well, I just thought I'd better get a good start at it. And you're like, you know, and you're sitting there going, what is, why, why are you doing that? Now, shh, okay. Shh, I, know. I don't need an answer because it's not. It's a rhetorical question, exactly. And actually, but we all have that, don't we? It's not just our house, which is slightly crazy. But, you know, you might look at it today and go, like, when you think about what's going on in the world today, some of the stuff that everyone's facing, you look at uh, the stuff that we all face, right? Whether it's, you know, in the big scheme of things, the big narrative, the meta-narrative, the cost of living and future, but even stuff in families and sickness and, like, you know, just the stuff of life, right? And the challenges that we all have. And then you come to a Sunday like this, and uh, we're going to baptize people. And you might look at it the same way as looking at a pile of, <laughs> pile of bacon, potatoes, and cabbage. You go, what are you doing that for? Like, seriously? Do you have no clue what's going on in the real world? Anybody? If you actually love potatoes, cabbage, and bacon, you might, yeah, this is not landing with you. You're going, that sounds quite tasty here. We'll have that tonight for dinner. That sounds great, right? But you know what I mean? You're going to look at something to, if we're not, if we don't look at something the right way today and we don't understand it, you might just go, that's totally random. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Like why on earth would mostly normal people, right? Mostly normal, all right? People spend a Sunday when the sun is splitting the stones, 
putting people in there, quite frankly, which is a big pool of what looks like really dirty water, all right? So just thank the good Lord above that you're not getting into it, but I am, all right? All right? Come out in hives or something after, I'm only joking. But it, it, it's not looking, it's, it's, the water's dirtier than it was last year, and that should not be the case. But there you go. Don't worry, it is clean. I want to keep this going. But why would we do that? What would you do that? What are you doing that for? Well, actually, there's a real power in what happens today, and I want to explain it to you just over about 20, 20 minutes, okay? Because I'm going to get straight to it, because some of us, I'm just aware that, for, for, you know, I, I grew up in the church. Uh, I've been in, in church my whole life, and so stuff like this feels like second nature to me. It feels like, well, of course, that's what you do. Uh, but I understand that there's people even watching online today, or people in the room who go, so what, what are you doing? Why do we do that? That's just a bit weird. Could we leave this out so that we don't appear like sort of freaky people to the world? Um, but actually, there's something really important because the word baptize is actually, you know, I, you know I, I like my Greek and stuff like that. So it's this word called baptizo, and it simply means to immerse fully. And so simply stated, what we're going to do today to baptize someone is to totally immerse. The actual definition is to totally immerse one object. Now, you've got to think about the picture of grace in this, all right? Because everything is a picture of grace and everything is a picture of the finished work of Jesus. I'm going to look today at uh, a couple of things that happened when Jesus was baptized and, and draw the parallels for the people who are getting baptized today. Because what happens is you take one object, okay? And you totally, the word baptizo means to totally immerse that object into a different or another substance and then bring it out again, okay? So there's a picture straight away today of the significance of baptism in water is that it, it is taking people, ordinary people, flesh and blood, they're one object. And what we're going to do is we're going to totally immerse them into another object and then raise them out into the water. And the significance is that it is a symbol, it is a representation, it is a picture, if you like, of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and then how we identify with him in those things. Does that make sense? Okay, good. And so, because what happens is Jesus, when he was sacrificed for, for us, he represented us. And when a person receives Jesus, they they fully identify with what happened to Jesus. And so what, what we hope today is that this is a physical act. It's a, water baptism is a physical act that should permanently in one way mark the person, mark the mind of the person who's being baptized into like the reality of their relationship with Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like he went through it, I go through it with him, and then as I'm raised to life, there is something that has changed in me. Is that good? That's why we want you to, and if, if, you're, if your name's not down the list today and you've never been baptized, you know, get your togs on and we'll get you in there, no sweat. It'll be easy, all right? It's, it's an important thing to do. I'm not joking either. Because Jesus actually said in Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, go to all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we actually believe it's a scriptural thing that we do today. And it's not just a, what are you doing that for? That's a bit odd. There is a significant moment of grace in the life of a believer when you go through the waters of baptism. There is something imparted into that life. There is something, I believe, that an impartation of God's grace into their life, into their future. And when we understand that and we stand today, together as the church today to pray over these people who are being baptized, then actually what we're doing is we're imparting the grace of God to them. Isn't that good? And so, I mean, let, let, let's have a quick look at what happened because Jesus was baptized, which is an interesting one because you can't think, why did he need to be baptized anyway? 
Isn't that right? Has anyone ever thought of that? Well, he had to thank you. Who's preaching? You or me? Give over. All right? <laughs> Inside voice, Chris. Inside voice, right? <laughs> Sometimes those are rhetorical questions. I'm not actually looking for an answer. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yes, we'll keep it thick inside, all right? <laughs> That's good crack. I like that, all right? Well, you keep your mouth shut too, all right? Flip me. I've lost my train of thought. Cabbage and bacon, where was I? All right. Yeah, so, so the whole point, let's have a look at what happened with Jesus, because when Jesus... I uh, was baptized. Actually, the, the, you're right, it was to fulfill righteousness, but I'm not going to go into that right now because Jesus hadn't committed any sin. So in that sense, there was nothing about being buried, raised to life with him, but it, it was a demonstration. It was foretelling of, what would, of the work that he would do. And there's some things, you know, he was, he was showing in advance of it happening at the start of his ministry, actually what he would go through for you now. Let's read it. Uh, you can f- follow this in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I, I need to be baptized by you, all right? And uh, do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness, okay? So this is why Jesus is doing it. He has to fulfill righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now, there's a couple of things I want to explain here today, because this is a, in, when we identify with Jesus, okay, what happens is what you see him going through it's not, when you see him going through and there's some significant things happen, what you can do today is you can say, well, that is for me also. Does that make sense? Okay, because there's a couple of things I actually need to be explaining here. It does say that a dove descended on him, all right? But actually, the image of the dove describes the way in which the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was descending, like a dove. It doesn't actually say a physical dove. It was like a dove. And there's, that's really important. I'm going to explain that in one moment because there's a, a great picture of grace in that. So two things have to be explained. The most important thing is whenever Jesus goes into the water and he's raised, okay, it says a couple of things. It says that uh, as Jesus was, was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. At that moment, heaven was opened. You know, in Jewish thought at the time, and I've explained this a thousand times from this pulpit, it feels like, but I'm going to do it one more time this morning. The whole thing of an open heaven, you kind of go, what the heck's that mean in real life? Well, in in the picture of of heaven for Jews, they could never understand. Even to this day, rabbis don't understand what open heaven means. Because in in Hebrew, you know the, the, the word for number five is hey. And what's the picture of hay? It's an open window. But they never knew what the open window was for. Right? But we understand that five being the number of grace is a picture of an open heaven. All right? And that you can look straight through, straight through grace and see all of what heaven has provided for you. 
So all that is, do you know what I mean? It's like the overlap of these two kingdoms. We're in this old kingdom, the new kingdom of grace comes, and we live now in, in the overlap of the two. And when heaven opens, what that means is what we're going to see today in the life of these people is they live today, as you and I do, under an open heaven. Heaven was open for them. Grace has opened the way that the fullness of heaven is theirs. And so we're standing today believing with them, saying, you know, all that is in heaven at this moment is yours. By promise, I'm going to talk about that at the end. And so when it says that the heavens opened, it wasn't just so like, the, like a dove, like the dove from above. Remember that? Um, <laughs> bad example, but you know what I mean. For those of you who shouldn't have been watching that TV, terrible, right? The dove from above would, would come down in some kind of like, like really symbolic fashion. It was way, way more than that. Actually, it was a picture of the Holy Spirit coming and saying, because now you've, this, you've my spirit in you, all of heaven is now yours. Isn't that amazing? So when heaven opens, when Jesus comes out, we'll talk about the, the, the death bit in a minute, but I wanted to make this point because it's important to go, this was not just about, this was not just about the Holy Spirit coming on the Lord and anointing him. We've heard that for years, but there was more to it. Why a dove? Anyone understand why, why a dove would come? No? Not too fast now, Chris. Huh? I know, again, rhetorical. <laughs> right? <laughs> because what would happen is this is if you read about the Holy Spirit coming in the Old Testament or the Israelite world, right? And remember the events that we're reading when Jesus is baptized is still technically in the old, right? Because Jesus has not died, been resurrected, okay? And so it's still, you know, so what happens is you, you come to all these discussions around anointing. And so like leaders were anointed. They were anointed with oil, kings, priests, prophets, all anointed in a moment. And with that anointing, came the empowerment to do the work that was set before them in the role that they had. And so today in the church, we use this expression, anointing. And we, we refer to it almost as like, like the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, anointing comes first whenever you believe in Christ and you're regenerated for the very first time. The Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit and your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens here is that you have this picture of the Spirit descending on Jesus with an open heaven and empowering and equipping and anointing, if you like, pouring upon Jesus the fullness of heaven so that he could go and do what the Lord had asked him to do. Do you know what I love about that? It's a gift. Jesus in that moment doesn't go, please, can I have? It's when heaven opens and, 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 and the Lord moves, he just pours out the fullness in that moment. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely incredible. I, I love it. And, and, and why a dove? Well, doves are often, what, what are doves? You can answer this one, all of you. Doves are often used as a symbol for what? Peace. Thank you. Okay. And, I'm glad you said that, all right, because it's right, but it's not what I want to talk about. But, you know, you, you get that doves, you know, Noah sends them out after judgment, you know, send the dove out. It's now peace because the dove comes back with the thing and all the rest of it, all right? And so this dove is kind of a harmless and, and sort of gentle creature, but his peace is all that's meant there. Actually, there's more to it. It's understandable, right, that at this point, when the fullness of heaven and you're raised to new life, what? Yes. Okay, sorry. I, that, what are you doing? <laughs> Penny was, I was meant to bring the kids back up. Okay, forgot. And so what happens is, it's understandable that you might think, well, this is about peace, peace from God coming down. 
But do you know how significant, if you read up on doves, how significant they were in the Bible? Because what else were they used for? They were used for sacrifices. My goodness, these are all really on this morning. All right? They were used, they were the sacrifices of the poorest people who couldn't afford the bulls and the goats. So the book, the book of Leviticus actually lays out how the sacrifices were graded according to how much income you had. And what happens is the dove, with its gentleness and its harmlessness, was accessible to even the lowliest of people. So right after Jesus is raised up, the Spirit of the Lord comes. And this is a picture that we see these people today, not with natural eyes and just by a natural estimation, but it's what is beautiful about the work of Jesus raising you up to an open heaven. When this, one of the images of the dove, the images of grace coming onto, this, onto Jesus is that even if you feel like you are the lowest, you are the least, even if you feel like you have nothing, then this is for you. It wasn't we saw the might of the ox coming on him, equipping him for ministry. It wasn't that we saw that, you know, any of those other big sacrifices. It was, it was a lowly dove. It was just beautiful because to the Jewish mind at that time, they would have looked at that and gone, my goodness, even to the lowest of the low, right? What happens next is really important. God opens heaven even to those who in the world would say are the least. Isn't that a lovely picture? It's a picture of grace in baptism. Like the world might look at these folks and go, well, they're not this, they're not that, they're not the other. And the Lord says, when I open heaven, even the lowest get the fullness. Isn't that lovely? I love it. absolutely love it. And so that's the whole thing of the dove. And then, you know, there's, there's, this, there's also stuff about power and gentleness and all this kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm going to pass that by because we need to get Duncan people here. Finally, <laughs> there's, a, there's a voice. So what happens is there's a voice, and the voice from heaven affirms the rightness of all this. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, th- th- this word son is interesting. There's different nuances depending uh, in the Davidic covenant in the Old Testament, you read that, you know, the king would be known as God's son. He would have a special relationship with his father, and he'd be an heir to all things, even his enemies, right? And so the gospels identify Jesus as the king, the Messiah, his, the son. But for us, when we look at it, as Jesus is, so are we. And as the Lord is pleased with, with Jesus, then he's pleased with us. And so it's not just about being, you know, going into the water, an open heaven, even to the, lowly, the lowest, and coming up and the Lord going, I'm really pleased with Jesus. No, the declaration over the lives of, of these lives today is the Lord's really pleased with you. He's really, really pleased with you. And you know what? What's interesting, look at what, where this happens in Jesus' life. Had he done one bit of ministry at this point? No. Okay, you can't answer me, right? He hadn't, had he? Had he given one, one, had he healed one sick person? He hadn't done a thing, had he? Not one thing. You see, your, your approval, your position, your love comes before anything that you do. In fact, what we should be looking at today is, is going, actually what the Lord sets up is the way that it should always be. We live in approval, we receive approval, and then we go to do. We don't go to do in order to get the approval. The order is critical. 
And so today with these folks, what we're doing is we're reaffirming over their lives, you are loved, you are approved, God loves you, he is good to you, he has got blessing for you, there's an open heaven over your life today, all that is good and all that the Lord wants to bless you with is yours today, and you know what? See, you know, you're not going to ever walk your way into it. You're not going to earn it. You don't go brilliant. You know, I'm gonna, it's, it's already yours. You know, you can busy yourself, do all the rest of it, try to earn, climb the cave hill, pray, pray around the cave hill, run a million programs, you know, put a sandwich board on your back and walk up and down the Albert Bridge if you want to, but it doesn't change for one minute how he loves you. The approval comes before anything anything at all. Here's our kiddies coming in. All right, and a few others. Okay. Just for those of you who don't know, okay, water baptism is not the same as salvation. It's kind of important to say that, all right? So sometimes people have confused water baptism with baptism into the body of Christ. In Acts 2, Peter preached about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he said, Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when a person is born again, they're baptized into the body of Christ. It's not the same as being water baptized. And uh, you have to be in the body of Christ before you can be water baptized just to make that clear, all right? Because some people get that the wrong way around. But water baptism is an experience after salvation to confirm and strengthen the, the, the approval of God in your life so that you can go then and live. Now, let me just finish with one thing, and then we're going to pray for these kids. There's something that's really lovely. You know, we're going to be baptizing some kids today. We've already talked to them. They, they're saved and in the meeting, as we say in Belfast. You know what I mean? Those, those children even know Jesus at all. Gonna sick, flipping cult, baptizing chiller. <laughs> They're saved and in the meeting. Do you know what I mean? That's a good Belfast expression. If you're watching online, being saved and in the meeting means that they have had an experience of Jesus. But we're going to be baptizing some older folks too. There's three of them, and there's a picture here where the baptismal waters represent the burial ground. This is really important for those of you who have come to faith later in life. There's a beautiful picture here. Whenever, that's why we say, if you've not been baptized, be baptized, fully immersed. One object, you being fully immersed into the work of Jesus and brought up out of that work into new life, being raised to life. Because there's something about going out, getting out with the old here or out with the old. Because the baptismal waters, this tank outside, I want you to picture it. It represents a burial ground. Now, the water's that brown and mucky, quite frankly. <laughs> You're not going to have to use a lot of imagination, all right? You're going to be standing there going, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not in that, all right? I've been assured that it is reasonably safe. Take communion before you get in, you'll be fine. But do you know what, do you know what it is for, for people who are maybe a little bit older? When you're buried with Christ in baptism, you're proclaiming to heaven, to earth, to hell, that the old you no longer exists. To be buried with Jesus, right, means that your old self has completely died just as Jesus died and he was made sin. He became sin for you. That's why we immerse. It's a picture of total burial. The old you being completely buried 
right? Disappearing into the work of Jesus and then coming up out of the water signifies being raised to new life. And when you're raised to new life, actually every promise in that open heaven is yours. I love that. You know what I love about that today? I want to speak that over these people. Every promise is yours. I absolutely think it's fantastic. It's, you know, it says in Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of what? Of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Reign, basilio, that word, means to, to exercise the power of a king. I just love that. So today, what we're gonna believe for these people is as they're raised to life, they're going to have a new revelation and understanding that they now sit in a position where they reign like a king. A king sits at rest over the affairs of his kingdom, of his world, if you like, at a place of rest. Why? Because the king has authority. Isn't that a cool way to live? So let me just... Is this okay? Has this been a good explanation of this? Okay, cool. So let me just build some faith in you to believe when... You know, I, I think today that what I love about, about grace is that you see a, fa- a father's revealed in his kids, right? I think this is really important. That, like you see the evidence of a father and the, that's the proof and the evidence because a creator loves to create. And uh, how do we see the love of God? Well, we see it in the lives of his children. We see it in us. And what, what happens is today, what I, I want to finish with is going, it's one thing to say there's an open heaven over them. What, what, what does it mean? In 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And so, do you know there are 7,700 promises in the word of God for you? You know the way, like we fit them all on the calendar, 365 declarations, you know that? Marketer's dream, right? Every other day with Jesus notes, you love it, right? Every now and again with Jesus knows you love it. But there's 7,700 promises written over every area of your life that all find their yes and their amen in Christ. So I, what I am hoping for today, what I'm believing for, is that Jesus is going to be revealed in a new and a fresh way in these people. That these promises will invite them to dream and to see again what it means to live under an open heaven, what the possibilities are, what the future looks like, that something in them today would be, you know, excited again about what grace has called them for. As they see themselves, not as the old, but having been totally immersed in Jesus and raised again to new life. Amen? Amen. Even the lowliest of the low. Amen? Amen. Brilliant. So what we're going to do... Let's bring them up. Where are they? So if you're, if you're being baptized, here they come, right? Let's stand along the front here because they will not fit. Keep them up. Okay. Oh, let me get this out of the way. Can you, can you move forward a wee bit? Alrighty. 
So what we're going to do, we're going to be praying for these guys, and just Adam and I took a little bit of time um, just to think about you all individually, and just to ask the Lord to give us just a word to encourage you, a verse that we felt that um, he was putting on our hearts for each of you. So we're going to go through each person, okay? And uh, we're going to start with Denise, she was right next to me here. Um, and Denise, when I was praying, I really felt this verse, so I'm going to read it from Zephaniah 3.17. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. And what I felt the Lord was really putting on my heart to share with you was that, look, look at Denise here. She's a smiler, isn't she? <laughs> Denise is a smiler. Denise is somebody who's cheerful. Denise is somebody who, whenever you see her, always greets you with with warmth and kindness, yeah. Uh, but that's because that's you reflecting back the love of God because that's how he feels towards you and his, um, you're his daughter. And I know as we have two daughters and we, who are up on the stage, you know, we absolutely love being with our daughters because they bring us such joy. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that's how the Lord feels towards us. You bring him so much joy, Denise, that he actually rejoices over you with singing. And that's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? That actually, just by being you, not like Andrew was saying it earlier, there's not, nothing that we need to do. When Jesus was baptized, he didn't need to do anything for the Lord to be pleased with him. He just was who he was. He was a son, and you're a daughter. And the Lord rejoices over you in who you are. You bring him beauty, and you smile, and you reflect his goodness. Amen. And so we just... Father, we just thank you for Denise. We thank you for what you've done in her heart. We thank you for bringing her to be part of this family. And we want to um, celebrate today what you're doing in her life. And Father, just the fact that you are faithful, that you are strong, that you've been mighty to save her, and that you'll continue to be that strength in her life, that, um, that one that she can turn to at all times because you are faithful and you'll be with her every step of the way. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hope. Hello. I um, I had a verse for you um, when I was thinking about you there over the last couple of days, and it's in Jeremiah 29, okay, and it's verse 11, 11, 12, 13, and 14. You get four verses. Um, it says, for I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me, and you will come and you'll pray to me, and I will hear your voice, and I will listen to you. Then you'll seek me, and you'll require me. It says you'll want me, and you will find me when you look for me. And God says, I will be found for you, says the Lord. And I just felt for you hope that as you move throughout life, as you get older in school and all these things, you sometimes will know all of the plans in your life, and you will know what it's going to look like. Sometimes you won't. But God always knows the plans that he has for you. He always knows what they are. And he always has good thoughts about you and good plans for you. So no matter what it looks like, they're plans for a future. They're plans for hope and always plans for good for you. Uh, so I just want to pray for you. Um, God, thank you for hope. Thank you. Uh, that whenever I listen to her in youth, she always knows the answer. She always knows what you're saying. She always knows about you, God. But I thank you that you know her so well. You know the plans that you have for her. They are for a future. They are for her well-being. No matter what it looks like in the future, God, she will experience your goodness. And we thank you for that. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. So Chris, you're up next. Okay. And the, the verse that I had for you was um, in Lamentations 3, 22, 23, where it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I just felt that, that word faithful, that the Lord, you know God's faithfulness. You've seen it in your life. And you've seen that steadfast love, that he is your rock, that he is your anchor, that at times when... You haven't always known where to turn. When you've turned to him, he hasn't let you down. And that thing of new every morning, I just have a sense that actually the Lord's saying there's going to be more of new every morning, that we can wake up each morning and think, well, here we go again. But actually the Lord's saying, expect new things, expect fresh things, because he's always moving you forward. He's, he's, in the, he's the God of the, the new day, the new dawn. And so we want to declare that over your life, that you're going to see new things, you're going to be surprised, and you're going to be excited. Like Andrew was saying, that open heaven, just all you can receive, he's going to be faithful in every area. And he's just saying, dream for more. So Father, we just thank you for the fact that you have been so faithful in Chris's life, that he has seen your goodness. He has seen you answer his prayers, Lord. He's seen your promises fulfilled. And we just thank you, Jesus, that there's going to be even more. We just pray for that new every morning. Just that surprising, that it's not the same old, same old. But Jesus, you're a God of a new song, of a new day, a new dawn. So we just praise you for what you're doing in Chris's life. Amen. Sophie, nice cap. We'll need to lose that when you're in the water, I think. We don't want to get that wet. Uh, I um, Do you know any time that uh, Sophie has chats with me, she's always just go, 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 just like all the time. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, pretty much, fair enough. And I, I just really felt that um, God says he loves that about you. Just go, 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 full of energy. But there's also a time sometimes to be still and to just hear God's voice. So I felt very much that God would say to you in Exodus 14, says that the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Now, what happens in this story, do you remember the Red Sea, where Moses parts the Red Sea? All the Egyptians are like, seriously, we're going to die here. And Moses is like, no, you're not. We'll just put the staff out and this Red Sea just opens. But they didn't have to do anything. And I just felt for you, there'll be sometimes in your life where you'll want to figure it out and you'll want to be go, go, go. I've got to fix this situation. But God would just say, you've just got to be still. And just trust that he says he'll fight for you in some situations. So Exodus 14 and then Psalm 37 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And then you'll see him do amazing stuff in your life. So let me, let me pray for you. God, thank you for Sophie. Thank you that she is go, go, go. But also thank you, God, that in her you've put a desire and a capacity to listen and to hear your voice. And I pray in those moments, God, in the future, whatever situation that she's in, where she feels like she needs to fix it, that she'll know, Lord, that you fight for her. And she'll know, God, that you're working all things together for her good. So I thank you for that and trust it. Know that you'll be with her moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, James. So when I was praying for you, um, the verse that I felt was in 1 Corinthians 2, 3. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I was thinking about how much I've seen God's goodness in your life over this last year and what God's been doing in your family and um, just how probably it's gone beyond maybe what you even imagined. And yet I felt the Lord was saying, 
this is just the start, James. And that capacity that you've had to believe in faith and to declare things and to live by faith and not by sight, that's something that the Lord has put in you. It's almost like he's growing that capacity now to go, James, this is just the beginning and you're going to be a man and a family that declare the goodness of God, that go after the things of God and that help so many other families walk into that freedom and that life and that love that, that um, you've experienced. So it's just almost that verse, you know, in Ephesians 3.20 of like beyond anything that we could ask, hope or imagine. Just feel like the Lord's saying, allow your heart to be expanded and your mind to be expanded for what he wants to do in and through you. So I'm going to just pray that. Father, we just thank you for James. Father, we thank you for the man of God that he is. Lord, we thank you for his steadfastness and his faithfulness and his faith in you and your goodness. And Father, we just thank you that, like we've said, this is the beginning. That open heaven is there for him to receive and lay hold of those promises and see incredible things working in him and in his family, Father. So we declare that today with him, that Jesus, you, the big work that you've begun in him, you will bring to completion. And we're excited about the journey that you're taking him on. Amen. Poppy, last but not least. Um, Poppy, whenever I see you just going through church, you just, you're just so bright and just so smiley and just so happy. And it's great to see. And whenever I think about a poppy flower, now I, my wife tells me what poppies are. She just says, what's that? Is that a poppy? And I go, yeah, I think so. Um, but poppies are bright and colorful and they catch your eye. And that's just something that I see on you in church. You just you just catch people's attention because you're just so bright. And I thought, thought for you just some verses about light. And it says in Psalm 119, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And you know, sometimes in life we can have all this brightness, but sometimes there are moments that aren't so bright and there are moments that aren't so great. But in those moments, God says to you that he will be your light and he will shine through you. So you don't have to always feel like you need to be bright and wonderful all the time. He'll shine through you, even in those moments. And then another psalm is, you, Lord, it's in Psalm 18, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. So I want to pray for you for that, Lord. Thank you for Poppy. Thank you for the energy she brings. Thank you that she's bright. And we can just see your goodness all over her. But God, thank you that in those moments where um, it doesn't feel like she's shining, Lord, that you are shining through her. You're shining in her and around her. And your word is a lamp. It is a light for her on the path, and it will be moving forward into the future. So we thank you for, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, folks, should we give these guys a clap? Now, we're going to let you go downstairs and get yourselves organized for the big dip. So off you go. And, uh, <coughs> All right. Guys can... What we're going to do, if, if the worship guys come up, uh, we're going to just finish off this bit of the service again. So stand up, stand on your feet, give yourself a, a creaky bones there. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to worship with a song. We're going to take our offering together. We're going to take communion together. And uh, so if you could reach under your seat, uh, you'll find one of these communion cups. And uh, you know, whatever your problem is, whatever you're facing today, whatever you're walking into, whatever you have going on, the answer is found in Jesus. Amen. It's found in His work. <laughs> Thank you. 
And we take communion not as a ritual or simply as a ritual, but we believe in this moment that Jesus said, do this. And he said, do this. And when you look at it, um, don't be thinking about yourself. The point is not to think about, are you worthy or not? If you're in Christ today, you're more than worthy. You've got an open heaven over your life. And the thing of communion is to put the finished work of Jesus at the very center of, of your thinking, of your heart, of your attention. And when you do that, when you're more concerned with his gift of righteousness to you, righteous just means you, you stand this morning totally acceptable to God, independent of your own performance, independent of your yesterday and what you'll do tomorrow. You come pre-approved. You have been sealed, it says in the Bible, with approval. And religion doesn't understand that. Performance thinking doesn't get that because there's nothing free. You, you get what you deserve or you get what you work for. But not when it comes to, to Jesus and his grace. You get what he worked for. And your job is not to work for it again, to try to crucify him again, it says in the word. But your job is simply to receive it this morning. And so that's why we take communion. We take communion to remember that his body was broken. And because his body was broken, it was broken for the purpose of making us whole. So he took on sickness. He took on dysfunction in our minds, in our, in our bodies. Everything that is known, the Bible says, and everything that's not known. If you're sitting today and you're waiting on results for stuff or you're worried about stuff and you know, the doctors even said, we don't know what it is. Well, the Lord does and he's already provided for it. And so take the, uh, the, the bread in your hands and just you know, say, thank you, Father, that your body was broken for us, Jesus, so that we could be whole. And that we speak health and we speak wholeness over everybody in this room, everyone online, right now in Jesus' name. Uh, particularly over minds as well, dysfunctions of the mind and, and sicknesses in the mind, conditions, Lord. Just pray this morning a supernatural peace, supernatural hope in Jesus' name. And Father, when we look at the, the cup, we go, thank you so much, Lord, for your gift of righteousness. I thank you, Father, that it, you know, when we look at your blood and what it does and what it has done for us, Father, every single curse is broken. Every curse from right from the beginning over our lives is broken. Father, we thank you that there's no debt outstanding because your blood paid for it all. I thank you that there's nothing left that we need to do or to give because you've already paid it all. We thank you, Father, that your blood is a guarantee. It's a guarantee of our eternal security. Lord, of our future hope. And Father, it reminds us today that as we drink, Father, that this open heaven, Lord, like when you were raised again and heaven opened, even that expression, heaven was opened so that the fullness of God could come to even the lowest. And Father, we thank you for that, all because of your work. And even as we drink today, Father, we thank you that you're working. I'm just praying this over some people. He's working behind the scenes. You just need to let go of some stuff this morning. Go, I'm leaving that with you, Lord. You're working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. You don't slumber. You don't sleep. You don't, in that sense, ever take your foot off the gas when it comes to my life, Lord. Even when it, I have no idea how things may work out or what that future looks like, I can let my heart be at rest today because this, this work tells me that 
you're always leading us, Lord, from grace to grace and glory to glory, hope and a future. Why? All because of your work. So, Father, we drink this today. We take it in, Lord, and we go thank you for your finished work. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship the Lord of this last song. And what I'd encourage you to do is, um, and we're going to take our offering. Folks, can I really encourage you in your giving? Um, you never hear about Jesus in this church before you've heard, or you never hear about money before you hear about Jesus. Get the order of that right. Why? Because we believe that your giving is part of your worship, and it's a response to who Jesus has revealed himself to be. You, your blessing and your provision is already provided. And what I would say is don't nullify the grace of God in your life by trying to take onto your own shoulders your own provision. It's too hard. And you'll, you'll never feel like you're making it. It's too insecure. But that's why we give today. We give, number one, as our obedience to the Lord, to say, Lord, thank you for, for looking after me. Thank you for providing for me. And I just give out of that place of gratefulness and thankfulness. I don't do it under compulsion or guilt or manipulation. I do it because I believe, Lord, that you're my provider and that you are my source. And I don't want to live under the burden and the weight of my own performance in this area, but I want to trust you that you supernaturally provide. So that's why we give. And we give for the mission of grace. We give so that we can keep doing what we do, so that people all around the world connect with the truth that God loves them all the time. He's good all the time that there is grace for every man, woman, and child. Amen.